0: Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, a marketing coach based in Melbourne, Australia. This show is for you, the service business owners, selling your expertise and skills to help other people. And I'm here to help you make more money in your business simply through modern marketing mindset and strategies. Whether you are establishing your business and focused on getting booked out with ideal clients, just like my students inside the Modern Marketing Collective, or you're now booked out with clients and you want to help more people and make more money without working more hours Through an online program, just like my clients inside my scalable mastermind. Come say hello over on Instagram at Emily Osmond. And now let's get into the show. Welcome back to the show and to this special episode, which is one of the most popular from the past three years of the Emily Osmond Show. This episode is part of a four-part series where you'll hear from one of my students in the Modern Marketing Collective about the biggest marketing strategies and mindset shifts that have contributed to not only their business growth, but importantly, their business enjoyment too. This is such a great opportunity if you have already listened to this episode before to take note of what stands out as you listen again. I often find that different parts of conversation will resonate with us depending on what we're going through at that current time in our business. So enjoy learning from today's very smart entrepreneur and hearing their story.
1: Welcome to today's episode where I'm speaking with Melbourne newborn and family photographer Jess Borrell. Now, when I went to start my podcast, I went out to my private coaching group, The Modern Marketing Collective, and I asked them, who would you love to hear on the show? And I'll be honest with you, I was surprised. I expected to hear some big names and those names that we've probably heard a few times before, but what they told me was that they wanted to hear from other people just like them that are in the trenches building their business, hearing what's working, what's not working. And so I thought, who better to bring on than one of my own students, Jess Worrell. Now, Jess is an incredible photographer. She shoots the most amazing shots of families and newborns. And in this episode, I speak with Jess about how she's evolved her business Over the last two and a half years, how she's gone from being overwhelmed and overworked basically to now working less but significantly raising her prices and also to attract her ideal clients so that people aren't just coming to her to get quotes but people are coming to her specifically for her own work. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I loved speaking with Jess. So without further ado, let's get into the show. So, Jess just a little intro to you. You heard me on Suze Chadwick's podcast and I wanted to give Suze a a bit of a shout out, the Brand Builders Lab for people to check that out. You then found me and joined my community, the Modern Marketing Collective. And then we've met a couple of times in person and then we speak a bit in my Facebook group and on Instagram. And I knew that I had to get you on the show because you were really funny, even though you probably don't realize, you crack me up. You've got this crazy talent for being really early, which I think I need to learn more about (laughs) because I'm the opposite. You're a Melbourne-based family and newborn photographer and um, and you've been hitting some goals lately and I thought you'd be a brilliant person to bring on and to just share a bit of your business so far, what's worked, what hasn't. So Jess, welcome first of all to the show.
2: Ah, oh, Thank you so much, Em. Thanks for having me.
1: <laughs> Pleasure. And let's kick it off. I'd love to hear, have you always been a photographer? Because I actually don't know, like how did this all start for you?
2: I've always loved photography. For as long as I can sort of remember, it's always been my dream job, but it wasn't ever actually something I thought I'd be able to turn into a career. So I studied and practiced social work for um, many years and you know, I was traveling a lot at the time, and I was teaching myself photography and how to use my DSLR camera, mainly just to be able to take better travel photos. And then, you know, sort of next minute, I've got a couple of kids, and <laughs> like, where did oh. they come from? Yeah, <laughs> just all of, all of a sudden out of the. Place. But then I, I sort of became much more passionate then about becoming better at photography because I really wanted to capture their childhood and take better photos of them. But then, you know, after a while of that, I sort of realised that I had all these beautiful photos of my kids, um, but I was actually missing from the photos, and I was I was kind of sad that I didn't really have any natural, unposed photos of me just being a mum.
1: Yeah, my friends have said that to me. They're like, I don't have any of me and the baby. It's all like
2: yes, yeah, (laughs) and and that's the thing. Like I, I sort of realised. Well, if I'm feeling like that, probably lots of other mums are thinking that way too. And I mean, obviously, there's so many reasons for that, and particularly, I think new mums they're not. You know, probably the last thing they're feeling like doing is actually getting in front of the camera because, you know, they've just had a baby and they might not be super comfortable with their body and they're feeling tired. So, you know, my passion really grew from there. And I was I was looking to return to work back to social work after um my second child, after mat Leave, but I wasn't really able to find a social work job that was part-time and but also not a step backwards because I'd been made redundant while I was on maternity leave.
1: You're not the only one I've heard that happening to No, No,
2: I mean, for me, it wasn't like a, it wasn't just me. It was a massive restructure that was kind of lots of people got made redundant. But yes, at the time I was looking for something part-time in social work, but my, my husband was actually the one he'd always been kind of pushing and encouraging me to, to, to turn photography into a business. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it certainly helps. I think having, you know, the person that you're closest to believe in you and, and yeah. support that, but you know, in my own head, I was like, oh, I'm not good enough to do it professionally. And what if I fail? And, but you know, I kind of realized like, what would I tell my kids? What would I tell my friends if they had something they were so passionate about, that was a dream mm. of theirs, but you know, they weren't doing it because they felt like, well, what if it fails? I decided to give myself six months, not six months to kind of reach big end goals or anything, just six months to kind of see whether people would book me and whether it was something I could actually make work. And yeah,
1: that's a great way to go. And I, I've heard a few people do that as well. And I think like that's super smart. It's like, okay, I've got this kind of time frame. Let's just see, see what happens with it.
2: It was kind of like an, an extension of mat leave really, which I think is really fortunate. Still on mat leave and trying to build the business kind of in the background. So
1: yeah. So what did that look like? How did you find, or how did your first clients find you and how many were you getting and what were those early kind of days like?
2: I actually did get fairly busy quite quickly with bookings. I was getting a lot of recommendations on Facebook groups and things, but at the time I wasn't charging anywhere near enough. I was doing lots and lots of sessions, but for not much actual income. So that was quite a steep learning curve. Like I was probably booking almost more clients than I am now, but there was no structure around it. And I wasn't making that much money. So I was just working, working, doing all these sessions, but not sort of earning a proper income. I've been in business now two and a half years. That first six months was where things were. They were just crazy. Like, cause it all kind of took off really quickly. And my daughter was in childcare, but my son wasn't and he was 12 months at the time and 12 month olds are quite needy, oh gosh. <laughs> quite, quite, a, quite a bit of time and energy, especially, for <laughs> So, um, you know, trying to juggle like sessions and editing and admin with him at home was, it was a schmuzzle. <laughs> okay. I love that you just admit that anyway. It didn't take me long to realize that, I, that he needed to go into childcare if I had any real chance of growing the business. Because, you know, at that, at that stage, I just felt like I was trying to do all these things, but I wasn't doing anything well.
1: So what changed then after those first six months or so, when you were like, okay, wow, this, this definitely is doable. Like you're getting a lot of clients. And I think kind of like we go through that apprenticeship at the start when we are working a lot for not much, and then it gets to kind of a stage. And if you do have the demand, it's a lot easier to then start thinking about, okay, well, I might put my prices up, but what did you do? What did it look like after that?
2: So I think it was probably around that six month mark of being in business until like twelve months, where yeah, I was still at the low price point. I'm overbooking myself because I'm not charging enough, but also like the kids are in childcare; they're getting sick all the time. They get sick with a cold and they'd end up in hospital with respiratory asthma. So I really got to a point where I felt like I just couldn't keep going at that pace. You know, I'm constantly chasing my tail. I had no life, and. You know, I think really by 12 months, I was quite close to burning out. It forced me to reevaluate what I was doing and why I was doing it. And I think at that point, you know, valuing myself, that kind of was the outcome of that.
1: It almost gives you, because this is me talking without kids, but I I hear like a few mums say that when you have kids, like you do become a bit more ruthless with your like with how much time well you obviously don't have as much time I think as a real generalization but it can be difficult for women especially to like value ourselves and put a price on what we do and charge enough but I it sounds as though you were kind of like it wasn't almost your choice to be like I'm going to raise my prices but practically like it was what you had to do next, which kind of helps, I guess. Like, exactly. It takes than... the
2: emotion out of it because exactly, it's, it's not that, Oh, this is what I feel like I should charge. It's like, this is what I have to charge if, if this is going to be a business. And if this is, if this is going to mean I'm putting my kids in childcare and it's taking me away from my family, well, this is what, you know, this is what I have to charge. Like, and I think it's hard as well when you are really passionate about the thing that you're doing, because you, you feel kind of bad for charging for something you love doing, but again, I think it comes back down to distinguishing the difference between a hobby and a business.
1: That's so true. And I think sometimes when something comes easily to us and we really enjoy it, we're like, oh, I feel bad charging. Like it's, it's kind of easy. It's, I love it. Yeah. So thank you for sharing. Cause um, it's helpful to hear when other people actually say, no, you know, like this is a business and I need to Make it sustainable. You have hit a couple of goals recently. So I'd just love to hear if you always set goals for your business and how you maybe what you think's changed or what you've been doing that's worked to actually help you hit those goals.
2: You know, I've always had really clear booking goals in terms of the amount of clients I want to book per month and that sort of thing. I think in terms of meeting those goals, Like the past three months, I have been reaching those goals each month, which has been amazing. And I think a big part of that for me has been most of my inquiries come through Instagram. So certainly social media marketing has played a big part in that. We talk quite a lot about in the marketing collective group is around having that strategy and that clear kind of picture of what you're doing on social media and why you're doing it, which I think for the longest time, I, I just didn't have, you know, I was spending a lot of time on social media. And I was posting a lot and I was engaging with other accounts and all that sort of thing. But with no real clear purpose or direction, I guess, behind it, you know, probably 90% of the other accounts that I'd be engaging with were other photographers, other people in my industry you know, the hashtags that I was using, they were targeting photography hubs, which, you know, it's really just for other photographers to follow. And
1: it's fine to build relationships with them, but you're not really reaching your potential customers.
2: That's it. And, you know, like it's lovely having a, it's a really supportive community, like where there's a really beautiful um, community of photographers and that is really supportive and something that I really value being part of, but exactly. It's not... That's not helping me to reach my target audience, I guess. And so, yeah, I think having a clearer picture in my mind of, yeah, of how I'm going to do that has really helped.
1: It's funny because we had some um, family stay with us over the weekend and one of them said, you must spend a lot of time on social media, like scrolling and do you get lost on there? And I was, I kind of said, well, not really, because when I open up my social media, it's basically for work. And I'm quite intentional about my time on there. I'll open it and you know, really into kind of batching. So I'm not Mm. if I see messages come through, I'm not instantly replying. I'll sit down when I've got a minute and actually focus and reply to all of them, reply to all the comments. Yes. And um and I think that's probably a shift that you found too, was it Jess, that you said you used to spend a lot of time on there. Yes. But without really much
2: purpose. And this is the thing, I would do that. So I would open Instagram with the you know, with the intention of going on to post something and then and, you know, it's an hour later, <laughs> yeah. sort of like I'm scroll. I've been distracted and I've started mindlessly scrolling or I've, you know, I've started thinking, oh, like what, oh, I can't say that. Like, no, I'm going to, oh, what should I say? What should I post? You know, someone's going to mm. think I'm stupid if I say that, that sort of thing where, when you don't have a, a plan in place for what you're doing on Instagram. It's such a time sucker. <laughs> oh, for
1: sure. For sure. We call it like a vortex in my oh, in our house. It's like absolutely. I'm in the vortex. I've just been lost in the vortex. <laughs> yes, for sure. And
2: I think that's like, it's fine to do that, but it's it's kind of not pretending that you're doing that for work. You know, everyone has those moments, I think, where they are mindlessly doing things. But when you can kind of have a bit of a plan in place, a structure around what you're doing it when you're doing it for your business, it just makes things so much easier. So on that, Jess, I'd
1: love to hear like what has worked quite well for you in terms of you've hit a couple of your goals with the number of bookings that you've had in recent months. What do you think you've changed or what do you think that has helped contribute to them? If you could pinpoint.
2: I think, you know, being more consistent on social media. So now I use a scheduling tool now. So I schedule my Instagram posts. I'm more consistent with when I'm posting it and I'm actually taking the time to share, you know, what I hope is more valuable content for my um, audience I think a big thing, which I feel like you would love, Em. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I can't wait to hear. Well, it's Instagram stories. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This you is know, so like it's like I resisted them for such a long time. You know, it was probably maybe 12 months ago when I sort of first started pushing myself to do them, but it would take me like an hour to do like a 30 second Instagram story. And I would stuff up so many times. I would do so many different takes. I, like I would be shaking and my, uh, it was just, yeah, it was a nightmare. And I try to talk really professionally. that just made it harder because I mean and when I did start talking like myself like I'd start I started trying to talk to the camera like I was talking to a friend perfect which helped a lot and obviously like when I'm going into someone's home or meeting a family for the first time like I'm not talking to them in this like serious professional (laughs) way I'm robot voice yeah exactly so often when I do a story now people will always message me afterwards saying like oh I wish I was confident or comfortable enough to do Instagram stories and I'm like man like I did not start out like that. I did not start feeling like amazing doing stories. I don't think anyone does. It's not my favorite thing to do, but it's also not the hardest part of my day, which for a long time it was. Yes. And you were
1: spending a lot of time like trying to get yourself to do one and then retaking and
2: being able to push through that because there is so much value in it when you're actually able to do them because my clients are able to feel more connected to me I am fortunate that my target audience are mums with young kids and I'm a mum with young kids so I'm able to kind of share parts of my life that I know other mums are going to be able to relate to that's been really valuable actually a client on the weekend I walked in and she was like oh I feel like I already know you that's what you're trying to achieve totally and especially like when you're walking Walking into someone's home, you know, a mum who's just had a, a baby and you're walking into a newborn session with them, like them feeling comfortable with you and like they already know you is a massive, massive thing. So that's been really, really good.
1: I remember that you did some stories and I, and it was so funny. And I think you were at home and you were like, I'm just going to like give you a tour of my studio. (laughs) And you're like showing there's like this massive pile of washing on the desk and like toys and, and it's cool. And I I think you do a great job, Jess, because you don't create something like specific for stories. You're just showing people what's happening. And um, I always laugh because Jess is always, very early to events so she'll sit in the car sometimes (laughs) and she'll be like so um i've got about 30 minutes to kill (laughs) well
2: see it's funny because this is the thing i often feel like i my stories fall down a little bit in terms of that i don't kind of do the you know not the salesy stuff but like i don't often have calls to action and those sorts of thing in my stories but I've kind of accepted the fact that for me at the moment, I'm happy just to be using stories as a way of connecting with target audience. And I feel like that's the one thing I can kind of do fairly well. So I'm just going to keep that with stories for a little while until maybe, you know, maybe there'll come a time where I'll be so much more confident and be able to do all, all the things. But for now I feel like it does work pretty well.
1: I'm very, very impressed by you for even like the fact of how scared you are now, you're like, Yep, yeah, I can do it. So was there is there been anything else? I guess stories have been a pretty handy thing that you've done. Would you is there anything else to share around anything that you've been doing more of or anything that you've dropped just in terms of helping you kind of have some wins with the business
2: another thing that's worked quite well for me in the past as well is that i've done a few really successful collaborations with influencers so one was i ran a competition with an influencer who i knew her following was very much aligned with my target audience it was probably close to 12 months ago now, but I got a spike in new followers around that time. But even now, I think like a month ago, I got an inquiry from someone who said they found me from that person and you know, they've been following me all this time and they've, they're they just pregnant now. And you know, I think I've heard, you know, you, not horror stories, but you know, you hear kind of stories where, where it falls down, working with influencers as well, businesses or brands being quite disappointed with the experience they've had. For me, what's worked really well is having a really, really clear, agreement in place with I'm mm. working with so that everyone's expectations are clear. I'm not working for free just for the fun of it. Like I'm, if I'm going to do a discounted shoot or do a free session, you know, I'm very clear with what I guess I'm expecting to get from that. Whether we negotiate that or um, whether the person I'm working with agrees with it. Like I haven't done any paid ads or anything like that so far um on social media but I, I kind of look at those shoots as like like they're my paid kind of marketing.
1: For account. sure. Well you're you're kind of using leverage to get in front of other people's audiences. Yeah, exactly. A couple of awesome things there, just like that first of all to go into it being quite explicit about what you expect and you know have the expectations on the same page because if they're yeah. not said then like it's so easy to assume things and then we get oh. disappointed.
2: Absolutely. And I think sometimes businesses, they get really disappointed because the influencer hasn't done what they hoped they were going to do. That's like, well, did you have it anything in writing? Was there an actual clear, did you specify exactly what you wanted to get from that arrangement? Often there isn't. And so I just think like I send through just like a contract, which we both sign like there's no awkwardness or, or emotion really because it's just like I send a contract to all of my clients and this contract just has a bit extra about the specific agreement with them. So, yeah, I think it just avoids so much kind of frustration and mm. appointment and awkwardness if you just have that set out from the beginning.
1: And it sounds like, you know, you approach it like a business transaction, which is a great, great way to go about it because, yeah, you're giving something from your business. The other thing, Jess, that I thought was really helpful to hear was that you still, you said, I think a a year later, since you did the influencer collaboration that you're still receiving inquiries and you're seeing the flow and effects. And I think that it's easy when we do, do brand collaborations or work with influencers. And I've seen quite a lot of businesses expect really instant results, Mm, but the thing is not everyone in that influencers audience are ready to buy yet. Like we can't expect them to be like, Oh great. I'm going to book this in right now. or I'm going to buy that right now, but it's realizing the value in Almost the things that you can't maybe measure, the brand awareness, but also that in the longevity and kind of the long game of that collaboration too.
2: Absolutely. And I mean, especially like for photography, newborn photography, I mean, if if someone's not pregnant or (laughs) expecting, they're not going to book a newborn session with you, you know, people might be following me for a year before they're ready to book a session. Probably the people that have been following you for longer, you know, they might even be closer to your target audience because they've had, you've had that chance to build that um, sort of no like trust, all that sort of stuff with them. So
1: because that's a bit like how I see SEO for someone to find your website. And I think SEO is great and it can be so helpful for business. But like if people are just trying to get their website to rank high for, let's mm-hmm. say, Family Photographer Melbourne you're going to have people that find you. Some of them might be your ideal clients, but a lot of them, they're just probably price shopping or they've come across you. And I loved the point you made Jess around the people that have probably followed you for the longest are going to be the best fit for you because they have got to know you. They love your style. And then when they're ready to buy, they want you.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I find the same thing. I do like having a focus on my website and you know trying to improve my SEO and all those sorts of things. But I definitely find that my ideal clients, they generally find me through Instagram because they've generally been following me for a while. And exactly people that come through your website, they've probably emailed like 10 or 15 other photographers, you know, it definitely helps so Jess
1: you work from home when you're not out shooting I've got two little ones what does your day look like is there much structure is it the same day to day how much are you working each day does that change could you give us a bit of an insight
2: the kids are at childcare three days a week I'm really strict with those days so um My husband drops them off, so I'm generally working from sort of 7:30 until around 4:30. But I mean, the thing with running a photography business, I guess, is that the actual photography itself is maybe like 15% of the workload. The majority of the work that I'm doing is like editing, and um, I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge, huge part of it, editing. But then, you know, emails, admin, marketing, those sorts of things. So I might do like on the three days a week that I'm at home, I might do one or two shoots, and then I'll also do like maybe one or two shoots on the weekend every week is different like it's i sort of look at my bookings over the space of a month so i might have one week where i have no shoots and then the next week i have you know two weeks worth of shoots and i'm kind of just i kind of just try and balance it
1: it's really interesting, and I told you that I was just recording another podcast interview just before ours, and that's with Alicia Rose Kruger, and she teaches about our cycles as women and like the inner seasons. And we were talking about how there's those couple of weeks during like your cycle where you're actually a lot more confident and you want to be yes. around people and you're doing yeah. things. So, like for a photographer, I was thinking when I was speaking with Alicia, they would be the perfect two weeks or one week to go out and shoot. Yeah. And then when yeah. you reach kind of before you actually get your period or when you've got your period that's a great time when you're feeling a bit more internal you can do great editing work because you're yes. a bit more analytical you're into the details. Oh, that's um, fascinating. Yeah, or you'll have to listen oh, to that. I'm going episode. To have
2: to. I mean like in post kids I feel like all that sort of hormone stuff like it's heightened so
1: It's really cool actually that you've kind of you look at it more like a month cycle because That's the other thing I was speaking with Alicia about. Men have a 24-hour hormonal cycle, but for women, it is like a oh typical bloody (laughs) man. But um, (laughs) but ours is more like a 28-day. So I think you're on track if you're you're already kind of doing that without without realizing. So there you go. So that's cool. So Jess, I'd love to hear what's been some highlights for you and your business, and do you celebrate them? Because I know a lot of us. I don't know. I rarely do because you're just like, oh that's great, what's next? What's been really things that you've been really happy about or quite proud of or
2: Yeah. I'm the same. I probably don't really celebrate things like that. Like I definitely get I still get excited about stuff. I still like, you know, I'll still like call my mum when something (laughs) I feel like the biggest thing for me, especially over the last, maybe, you know, six to 12 months is how excited I am to be working with my ideal client. When I was starting out, it was people, you know, I was mainly getting booked by people that were looking for a cheap photographer and, you know, I'd always get tagged on those posts on Facebook. I mean, I was brand new and that was fine. And I, and I loved that at the time, but I'm finding now that, you know, getting inquiries from people that feel like they love my photos or they feel like they know me, like that's a huge thing for me at the moment. So, and it does, it makes all the hours that you spend on Instagram stories, (laughs) it it makes it feel like it's paying off. So that's a really nice feeling, you know, kind of feeling like you're on track. It's exciting, is it? When you,
1: when you're like, yes, you're my person. Actually on that, Jess, because you do have, you're not kind of into staged posed photos. Yeah. How would you describe your style? And is that something that you always had from the start or is that kind of evolved?
2: I sort of describe it as, I guess, natural lifestyle photography. Like I think it's always been that because that was always what I felt like was missing in our family photos. I did mentoring early on in my photography career. You know, initially you kind of feel like people want the posed stuff. So you have to kind of, I guess, fight against yourself a little bit, not to just be showing all of that posed, more staged so that you can then attract the clients that want what you can kind of provide them. So that was a really valuable experience doing that mentoring day. And Amy Rushbrook was the mentor I did the mentor day with. And, you know, her thing was about sharing what you want to shoot more of. I'm sharing the work that I love to shoot and then sort of naturally attracting the clients that are also attracted to that. Yep, that makes so much sense. Oh yeah. And that's a real weight off your shoulders when you sort of feel like just because there's that more mainstream popular style of photography doesn't mean that there aren't also plenty of people looking for what you can
1: And you don't have to share all your work. No, like you said, you can be you just put out there what you want to attract more of. And then I guess like any of the lower points that you've been through, have there been any or many in your Kind of business journey, whether it was even in those early days or more recently, that you that have been challenging or or times when you've yeah felt maybe this isn't so great or something's happened. And yeah, have there been many of those moments?
2: Nothing's like a big sort of negative one off event that's like changes business life forever. I think, you know, we sort of spoke earlier about that period where I was overbooking myself and not charging enough and kind of feeling like I was um, getting close to burnout. So that was certainly something that changed, I guess, for me, the path that I was going on. I think in general, though, often it does come back to it's taken me a long time to value myself and, you know, imposter syndrome creeps in a lot. Yes. I'm surrounded by amazingly talented photographers. It can be hard not to compare yourself to other people in the industry and not to judge your own successes by their successes. And, you know, I think rationally, we all know that everyone's at different stages of their like small business journey. They've all got different booking goals themselves. They've all got different family situations. So it's it's just, I think, you know you might have that in your head that rational thought process in your head but i think sometimes the less rational side can get a bit louder so
1: it sure can
2: yeah i think the best advice you know that i've been given over the years is that you should only ever compare yourself to where you were 12 months ago and i think that really helps like when that imposter syndrome stuff is starting to creep back in you know it doesn't take much to look at where you were 12 months ago and to kind of you know, I guess get yourself back on track a little bit. So that's the thing I probably battle most (laughs) with. I love that way
1: of looking at it, actually reframing it to be like, okay, well, where was I 12 months ago and how far have I come? We never really do that. And when we do, we're like, I'm happy with that. Are there times that you go through where you're like, oh, this is too hard. It is a lot when you run your own business and you've got kids and all that type of thing, do you find there are times when you're lacking motivation? And tell me how you structure your day, Jess, in terms of you said you've got a a few days of the week where the kids are in in care. What do those days look like?
2: I'm a morning person, so I'm really conscious of the fact that my brain just works better in the morning. So I do try to – I structure my days so that the things that I'm kind of working on that need my full attention, so basically anything that involves the written word or like (laughs) – Like I try to do that in the morning and so then I'll try to do editing and and sort of tasks that are a little bit easier in the afternoon just so that I find that kind of voice. I've I've tried that technique. I can't remember what it's called where where you have 25 minutes off, five minutes on. I have an app on my phone called Focus Keeper and it basically, it's just like a timer and you start it and at time, you know, it goes for 25 minutes and a little bell dings and then break and then it dings again, you go back to work. And I'm actually really, really productive when I work in that way. I find it quite intense. I don't think I've ever got through a full day of, of doing it. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I can't remember what the, what the technique is called. But yeah,
1: I think I've heard of that. That's really cool. Something to try anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find, yeah, I find it really helpful, especially if you've got like some big things that you kind of need to, you know, you need to get done that day. Um, it just kind of h- helps you keep focused.
1: And do you find yourself working much in the evenings or was that something that you, I guess you might've used to do, was it? And it's not so much.
2: Um, I go through, <laughs> I go through <laughs> peaks and troughs so that I, I, I try not to work in the evenings, but it's hard sometimes. Like I and often I mean, because I, I work on a laptop, I, I can just kind of sit on the couch in front of the TV and I can sort of finish editing sessions and things like that. So it used to be every single evening that I'd be working. Mm-hmm. Whereas now that's a lot less. You know, I might have one or two shoots on the weekend, but apart from that, I'm sort of doing the rest of that workload on the weekdays that I'm the kids are in childcare.
1: Sounds like you found a good kind of bit of structure that works quite well for you, which is really, really good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So last couple of questions, I'd love to hear what are some of the things that you're working on?
2: My goals, I feel like are quite small. Like I think we sort of talked about it before, like my you know, I feel like I'm at this quite a good place where, you know, I'm able to balance family life and and the business and things like that. And I'm kind of quite content just going along like that, especially while the kids are, you know, neither of them, Ellie will be staying school next year. So I kind of feel like for the next few years while they're at home, I'm really kind of content just to, um, just to go along as I am, I guess. Like little goals within the business that I've always got like mail-in list, which... (laughs) Trying to focus on the mailing list and trying to build that and be more consistent and, um, you know, provide a bit more value for the people that are subscribed to it. But I think my my bigger picture goals at the moment, they're they're just kind of, they're a bit more smaller scale, I guess. Hmm.
1: There's nothing wrong with that. And it's the fact that you've got yourself to a place, which I think a lot of people would love to be in is also, you know, you've got a business that you can do now that you can work around your, your, two kids. And it's at a great place for you. You've attracted your ideal clients. You're producing amazing work. Every time I see one of your photos, I'm just <laughs> like, Oh, that is incredible. <laughs> <Thank> um, <you. laughs> so I, to wrap up Jess, last question from me, what would you tell yourself now looking back to those two and a half years ago or so before you started your business from what you've learned now, what would you, what would you tell your pre-business self?
2: I would definitely tell myself to stop letting what other people might be thinking, um, hold me back and to stop comparing myself, I guess, to others on a much more practical, note. I would have also told myself not to be completely hopeless at managing money. I don't think I was doing anything particularly crazy or stupid with money, but you know, honestly for the first 18 months of my business, I didn't have a business bank account. So all of my client invoices that I was sending out were being paid straight into our like personal family bank account. And you know, I was aware that I sort of, I needed to put money aside for tax and business expenses and all of that sort of thing. It was all complete guesswork. Like I had no real clear picture of my financial position. So another photographer friend of mine recommended, um, a book called profit first. I don't know if you've heard of, Oh, I have, I'll have to add yeah. it to my list. Oh, you have to, it's, it's so great. And so I, I implemented that system, um, into like my business to manage my finances. And so, you know, I opened up a few different bank accounts and now every Friday I kind of sit down and I, I transfer, like I, I transfer a percentage out, which is my salary, I transfer a percentage into tax and a, a percentage into business expenses. And so, yeah, just having like a clear idea of where you're at financially makes things so, it makes things so much easier in terms of goal setting mm. and planning and all that, that sort of stuff. So, you know, I've actually put a little bit extra into my tax as well so that I can um, try and pay myself super, which.
1: I know something us self-employed people don't get yeah, don't
2: think mm-hmm. of it yeah so it's actually something really easy to do once you put it into place and it, it just takes so much stress
1: <laughs> have you read the barefoot investor
2: yeah it's, it's quite similar so we I was wondering yeah yeah I do profit first for my business money and then I do, we do barefoot investor for our personal money now and that okay. worked really well because I was reading profit first my husband started reading barefoot investor and we kind of combined the two. Oh, awesome. Yeah. It's amazing what a difference it makes. And cause we're both really crap. We're not crap with money in terms <laughs> of like, we don't buy ridiculous things and um, get ourselves into debt, but we just are both not interested in money. Yes. So like, it's not the thing we don't, we would never sit down and like, look at our bank accounts and like, look at what we've sent. For fun. Just not like so, gosh, not yeah. what we are
1: like. I, I'm a bit like that. And then my partner code and he's, oh my gosh, at the end of, um, I'll totally embarrass him. But the, <laughs> it was like last Christmas, we're up at his family's farm and he gets out his spreadsheet and he goes through and like, creates like a list of everything you spent in the year all in its different like categories. I'm just like, we are so different.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is you doing it for fun. I think it's really helpful to have one person in the relationship like that. My husband and I are both not like that, so... You know, we're just like constantly clueless about money. And so, but now like- Found your systems. Yeah, mm. we found our system and it's, it's it, for us, it's easy. Um, it doesn't take a lot, but it just, it, I feel like we're in a much better place now, particularly because, you know, I could make more going back to social work that has impacted our family's kind of bottom line while I'm still kind of growing the business. So it's having sort of a clear plan in place.
1: Super handy. Well, Jess, thank you so much. Was this your first ever podcast interview? Can you not tell?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was. You've been
1: fantastic. Um, So thank you so much for giving me part of your day. And would you you tell me, where can people go and find out more about you?
2: Yes. So um, I am on Instagram, Jeff Swarrel Photography. I'm pretty sure that's correct.
1: (laughs) Yes, it is. How do you spell your surname for people?
2: Uh, W-O-R-R-A-L-L.
1: Yes. Great. And I'll add that in in the show notes too. I'll link to that.
2: Awesome. My website's just www.jessworrell.com um, and Facebook, Jess Worrell Photography
1: as well. And is there anywhere to go to get some little freebies from you?
2: Yes. So that's just my website, jessworrell.com slash, no, slash, backslash, <laughs> forward, slash slash forward slash, forward slash, forward slash, forward slash free.
1: Super. So people can head along there and check out what you've got. Well, Jess, thank you so much for um, for chatting with me. I knew it would be fun. So (laughs) you have delivered. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Thank you.
0: Keep the learning going and join my free online masterclass: the three reasons that your followers are not converting to clients. And understand the number one issue that's stopping you from booking more clients now go to emilyosmond.com forward slash free and choose a time that suits you this week if you are not booked out with ideal clients then join the modern marketing collective and start making more money from your skills and expertise go to emilyosmond.com forward slash collective And if you're booked out with clients and you want to help more people and make more money without working more hours through having an online program, then join the waitlist to apply for the next round of my scalable mastermind. Go to emilyosmond.com forward slash scalable and get your name on the waitlist. For now, remember connection over perfection. You have got this, you incredible entrepreneur, and we'll speak soon.